Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Conversations. It's a new series of podcasts that Del Norte County Office of Ed and Del Norte County Unified School District is offering to our community. My name is Jeff Harris. I am the District County Superintendent of Schools. And joining us today for this podcast is Nick LaFazio. Nick is an employee of the County Office of Ed who really works hard with a lot of our children and a lot of our families on supporting students who have behavioral difficulties at school. Nick also oversees our mental health grants. He sees that those processes. He does the um, professional development for our staff. And we're really happy to have you join us this morning, Nick. Thank you for having me. Hey, and also joining us is Tom Kissinger. Tom is the Assistant Superintendent of Educational Services. Thank you for joining us too, Tom. It's good to be here, Jeff. And again, this is the first podcast. There will be many, many more that come up. Uh, but Nick, let's kind of dive right in. Yeah. Um, we know that we have a lot of kids who come to school, um, and when they're at school, we see behaviors emerge. But we're in a really unique time, right? Um, families are at home, parents are, are being the teacher in the house, um, and they're having to deal with these behaviors now. So in the educational world, we call behaviors out by different names, and one of the things that we really discuss are the function of a behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of why a child does what a child does. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about functions of behavior? So using behavior analysis and kind of the approach that we take with behavior supports in school, we look for functions of behavior on the observable and measurable in, in that sense. So what that means is we're looking at exactly what a kid is exhibiting, not necessarily what they're thinking when they're doing these things. So functions of behavior fall into attention, um, seeking tangible or escape avoidance. And then for our more impacted students or students with disabilities, sometimes it's an internal process that they're working through. And so that's not as common, but it is. So, so let's talk about escape and avoidance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I do that, yeah. right? Uh, and it might be a video game. It might be sleeping in a few extra minutes to try to get away from something I know I need to do, mow my yard, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. What what does that look like when we're talking about uh, a child at home who's now faced with, with math, right? So yeah. so what, what might that look like? So the important piece behind behavior analysis and looking at those observable behaviors is really defining what it looks like that your kid is doing. And so escape avoidance could look like many different things for kids. And that's where it's important to really tell what they're doing. So it could look like um, just tantruming, screaming, um, walking away from you. Uh, it It could exhibit many different observable features. And that's where when we look at behaviors and we look at them in the school system, same as at home, you really wanna track or take note mentally of what's happening. So if if that kid is doing something that is, uh, in a sense, just they're not able to do that work, then it's most likely an avoidance behavior. So it it, it could look many different ways. (laughs) Okay. Tom, what is your favorite avoidance behavior? (laughs) Oh my goodness, I think I I have so many avoidance behaviors. Um, Yeah, I I think that, I, I think that oftentimes for for me, what I see in students mm-hmm. is um, I see students acting out and getting in trouble either with their parents or at home um, yeah. and wanting to um, sort of take the attention away from 
kind of what they're what take the attention away from what they're supposed to be working on mm -hmm. because they feel that they can't do it. Yeah. And so that's where I see a lot of the oppositional behavior. Yes. And I, you know, as a as as a parent and as an educator, um, you know, um, this is this is something I think that all of us see, too. And mm -hmm. um, and when I, I would just ask you, um, Nick, when um, when a student is engaging in misbehavior or they're tantruming or whatever because they they're afraid that they can't do something, mm -hmm. how do you how do you help them with that? So there's there's lots of different strategies that we can put in place, but what what we're getting at is that we really want to see what's going on in that big picture. So if they're doing something that's getting them out of it, how do we deal with it? We either offer them choices, maybe um, chunk the work into smaller increments that they feel that they can be successful with. Um, we could use some sort of scheduling of reinforcement. So. Um, or, or what's also called the pre-MAC principle, which is first, if you do your math, we're going to follow it up with this fun activity. And so that can give them that motivation to to want to attempt it for you. You know, Nick, uh, one of the things that um, has been a, a, an important initiative or something we've been working on in our district mm -hmm. has been um, has been the book Conscious Discipline. Yes. And. And that's something that um, we've it's we've been working on district wide. Can you talk a little bit about what conscious discipline is, and then kind of maybe talk about what's going on in a, in, in a child's brain uh, mm -hmm. when when they're when they're exhibiting some acting out behavior? So conscious discipline is a book by Becky Bailey, um, and it's it's um, it's a toolbox is what it is. It we have SEL curriculum that we push out to all of our teachers and conscious discipline is a supplement to that it gives teachers strategies and it, it's broken down into really three main chunks of safety um, connection and problem solving and so when the when the book is broken into those individual areas we're really talking about different functions in, that are happening in the brain so safety is our hind brain our primitive brain the the lowest uh, or the most um, it, it's our most uh, natural <laughs> uh, fight or flight is where that takes place is in that hindbrain state the connection is that limbic system of the brain so it's more in the middle it's where we can start to get more um, identification of our feelings of our self-regulating um, uh, moods um, and, and strategies and then you have the problem solving that happens in the prefrontal cortex where once you're able to identify your feelings and how that is making you making you act in your environment, how can I problem solve to self-regulate, de-escalate myself, and, and get back to a um, baseline behavior? So one of the things that you know you've talked about the term self-regulation, and that's mm -hmm. something we hear quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so how can we as adults? How does our self-regulation help? children self-regulate and how can we, how can we what are some strategies we can use in that regard that will ultimately help our kids so self-regulation is uh it's a it's a tricky one but the the biggest thing is modeling it so i think as adults we've all said that or, or as children um we all said when i grow up i'm not going to do this thing that my parents did this is the one thing that i'm not going to do and then as adults with our kids 
we sit back and we think, oh man, I just did that. <laughs> what, what that is, is that we've been modeled these self-regulation skills. And if we can identify that in ourselves and model it to our children now, that's, that's the biggest piece that we could help them with at this point, especially in these times. Well, and, you know, when we talk about these times, we talk about modeling. Mm -hmm. um, and you were talking about, you know, the different states that our, our brain tends to function in. And, and the very first state is that feeling of safety. Yes. Right? It, we can't really get to that, that mid-level or that higher level of thinking about academics mm -hmm. unless we have that first level of safety. And I know we yep. work a lot on that in our classrooms. Um, and like Tom had said, you know, we, we do a lot of that with um, – um, our PBIS systems. We, we try to make our school safe places. We try to make that um, really inviting and warm for kids. Um, so what might, what might we do at the house, right? So right now we have students at home. Mm -hmm. um, how do we address that first piece of safety um, so that we, we can get to the point where we can start having those conversations um, around the fact that, you know, we have this avoidance behavior that's happening because a, a child is struggling with writing or whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. um, so now we need to get back to the safety piece to be able to get them to make a choice. Uh, and I just want to let everybody know that that choice is not not doing the work, right? <laughs> so the work yeah. has to be done. Yeah. But 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 what, what could we do? Predictability is huge for feeling safe. That is a, a huge piece of it. So if you could have... A, some sort of basic schedule posted that kids know that when they wake up, these are kind of the things that we're going to do today. Not hour by hour, not overwhelming, but just some things that they can see like, or even front load the day before. Hey, tomorrow we need to do this and this. And so that, that predictability feeds into that safety. They don't, they don't fight it as much. But then also, like I said, offering some choices and never the choice of being we're not going to do this today we're not going to we're going to get out of this work somehow but maybe you want to get your language arts done before you do your math so offering them the choice of when they complete those tasks is huge and then um, even breaking down some of those tasks like if you have math and you have it it's overwhelming you let's just work on the first two together and take a couple minute break take a breather come back to it when we're at a um, when we feel better about it. Right, right. Well, and, and you know, too, as we talk about our students, our parents mm -hmm. fall into that same boat. Yeah. Um, I know that if I was asked to help my daughter with her eighth grade algebra, yeah. right, I, I might find myself struggling a little bit there, too. You might uh, find yourself avoiding. I, I, I might. I might have those avoidance behaviors. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, how, how can we, you know, we as adults, because... I did. My, my daughter was uh, went through the uh, independent study program through Castle Rock, and we, we did a lot of support with her. Mm -hmm. um, how do we recognize our own stressors so that we can actually take that step back before we start transferring that onto our, our own children and then having the behaviors yeah. because we created them? So one way to really notice that, and then we kind of touched base on this in the webinar on Wednesday, but one thing that you really want to see or, or uh, pay attention to is um, tenseness in your neck, tense, uh, maybe your stomach is giving you some kind of signals. You, you have physi physiological responses to stress. And so kind of like we said with this safety part of your brain, when your brain gets overwhelmed with the stress hormones, 
the vagus nerve, which actually attaches your brain to all of your organs and has the input and output of your sensory, it starts to send you signals. So if you feel your shoulders tense up, you feel that pain in your neck, breathing, stepping back, and then um, admitting to your kid, hey, I'm feeling like this. I need to take a minute. <laughs> Let's get back to this in just a second. Um, the the other thing is modeling, like I said, and just if you do mess up a little bit or if you do start to get that tenseness where I snap at my kid, say, hey, I realize that I am not in the best state right now. Let's just take a step back and we'll do this in a minute. It models the that self-regulation skill again. Right, right. So, Nick, for some of us who are not always so self-aware, mm-hmm about our behaviors uh, when we come into the house or whatever. Yeah. What, what kind of advice or guidance do you have for us? Um, it, you know, especially if, if we don't know that we need to self-regulate, mm-hmm. how do we, what's self-regulation 101? Um, always just trying to bring back um, mindfulness to the moment. So taking some minutes, uh, a few seconds to breathe when you walk in, um, I can tell you that my wife has to call me out on it all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> I might know this stuff, but you really have to think about it and be conscious to to what's going on. So when I get home and it's been a hard day, I need to breathe, maybe go sit down in my room for a minute, really think about what happened and and, and be aware. And these are things that can be taught to our children as well. Yes. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I, I think as as we kind of move forward, we're we're in an area of a lot of unknowns. We don't know what school is going to look like next year. Um, we don't know what summer's going to look like. We don't know if social distancing is going to um, uh, impact us greatly over the summer. If the stay-at-home orders are going to uh, be lifted, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of as we conclude today, if you could give both of you, Tom and Nick, if you could give parents one piece of advice, just one piece of advice in, in uh, working with our children at home, uh, and it can be academic or non-academic in this really kind of time of uncertainty, what would that be? Um, and I don't want to get myself in trouble for saying this, but <laughs> what, I w- what I'd really say is go easy on yourselves. Just be, it's, these are not normal times. Don't be hard on yourself. Don't take it out on the kids. It's it's a weird time that we're living in, and we just need to take everything day by day. If you don't get the tasks done that you feel like you were trying to get, go easy. Just take it as it comes. Yeah, kind of, and along those lines, I would really say, you know, this is like, people keep using the term unprecedented, but this mm-hmm. is like nothing we've ever seen before. Yeah. And I think oftentimes as adults, we want to get it right and we want to be perfect mm-hmm. and we want to provide the perfect guidance and perfect support to our kids. There really is no right way to do this. And like you said, just be easier on yourself. And I think when we when we give ourselves a little bit of a break, um, we're actually able to be more present for our children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think along those lines, I just want to remind everybody that you know, there, there's been a lot said about, you know, facilities may be closed, but school's still in session. And as we talk about what those expectations are of our teachers, of our families, um, just really understand that it really is about, at this point, it's about participation. 
It's about trying. It's about giving it a good go. It's not about, like you said, Tom, it's not about being perfect. Uh, like you said, Nick, it's about kind of being a little forgiving of yourself and understanding uh, where we are. And I would even say that as hard as this is, I know that many of our uh, families have lost jobs, they've lost income, they are, are having childcare issues that they didn't have before, they're taking on roles they haven't had before. But I think what we are being given right now is a community, as hard as it is, is a gift. And that is a gift of time with our kids that we might not otherwise have had and might not have again. So um, enjoy that time to the fullest extent. Be mindful, I think, of, of we all need to be mindful of what we're doing as adults mm -hmm. to help them be mindful of, of I, I think, kind of the possibilities that, that they have as our kids. Yeah. So with that being said, I'd just like to uh, remind everyone that for more information on scheduling, for more information for families, um, I'd encourage you to go to www.dnusd.org slash family resources. There are some great um, links there, some great pieces of information. And we'd invite you to join us on Wednesdays for our Wednesday webinars and look forward to these podcasts as they come out. Nick, I want to thank you again for joining us on our first ever podcast. Thank you for having me. Tom, thank you. This was actually your idea, so we want to give you some credit there, and thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks. It's great to be here. And with that, everybody stay safe and be well. Mm -hmm.